What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. I'm just letting the beat play for a little bit. (laughs) Alrighty, let's get into what we need to get into. Got some sports to talk today. There was a football game played last night, a really damn good football game played last night. A lot of takeaways between the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, A lot of stuff we need to get into. Got to look at some stuff in the NBA. Got a whole bunch of college football to talk today, specifically um, playoff scenarios and how everything might end up shaking out. But like I said, we got football to start off us, to start us off. And Chargers, Raiders, you know, first things first. I was uh I was working out this morning and I just kind of ha- I had ESPN on in the background and Max Kellerman <clears throat> from ESPN was on and he was making a statement about Justin Herbert. They were talking about this game and Max Kellerman made the statement that Justin Herbert right now is the sixth best best quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, I thought about it, and I'm, I'm like, that's it's probably knee-jerky. But as of right now, if we're just taking this single season, it's hard to argue. Justin Herbert was phenomenal. He looked great last night. Um, 22 of 32, threw for 314 yards, uh, two touchdowns, also rushed for a touchdown, which actually was the game-winning touchdown. This was a great game. Um, Chargers ended up winning it 30-27 to 27, um, in the... Uh, in overtime, really great game though. You had an appearance by Marcus Mariota, and that to me was also what was impressive in this game. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, early in the game, pulls his groin. Um, he has to be taken off. He has to uh, go to the back. Um, he would not return for the game. Marcus Mariota comes in, and you know we hadn't. This is our first time seeing Marcus Mariota really play in quite some time. Um, I think what it was like, this is our first time he came in and he, I mean, played well. And this is like our first time seeing like, this is Marcus Mariota's first touchdown pass since like 2000, like November of 2019 or something like that. Like it's been a while. Right. And Marcus played really well. Um, This Raiders team played well with him under center. Josh Jacobs had a pretty good game. 26 carries, 76 yards. Um, Marcus Mariota also rushed for 88 yards, had a touchdown on the ground as well. It was a really good game. Um, However, one of the things that I do want to talk about as far as the Raiders go is this is the type of game that the Raiders couldn't afford to lose, and they did. Um, Plain and simple. And and it's, it's, it's sad almost when you look at where the Raiders are currently compared to where they were five weeks ago. You know, five weeks ago, they were 6-3, and three, and they looked like they were a team who can go line up against anyone. Uh, we were feeling good about them because they had beaten the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, it for whatever reason, this team has just fallen apart the last five weeks. I mean, if it weren't for the Jets and Greg Williams calling a blitz in just an absolutely ridiculous 
a ridiculous play call that basically won the Raiders the game. They'd be on a five-game losing streak right now. They're seven and seven. They were a team that was, you know, feeling like they were in position to maybe make the playoffs. Um, and with tonight, last night's loss, that basically knocks them out of playoff contention. You know, they're they're probably not going to win their next two games. Uh, they'll split them more than likely in in the uh, the season at like eight and eight, something like that. Which, I mean. If you look at things, it is a positive and it is a, I, I guess you can say they're trending in the right direction. You know, a couple years ago, they were three and 12 and then went seven and nine. And now they're going to probably finish eight and eight. So you can say that they're trending in the right direction, but this was just a, a gut punch for the Raiders. You know, you needed this game. And also this is a game where you were at home. The Raiders have not been good at home this year. They're two and five at home which is crazy, right? Um, but this is a game that the Raiders absolutely needed. Uh, and for the Chargers, uh, I know some Chargers fans probably would have liked to have maybe lost this game, get a higher pick, because you got your quarterback of the future. Maybe we get a higher pick and we can start putting some talent, some, putting some more talent around him. Uh, even though the Chargers do have a talented team, I think the Chargers' main problem right now is they need to figure out what they're going to do with the head coaching position. Because I've I've spoken on this before, Anthony Lynn, I just don't think uh, is the guy for the job. Um, too many mental miscues, too many times where they uh, they just look unprepared. And I mean, hell, they almost. By the way, the Chargers almost found another just inexplicable, crazy way to lose a game in overtime. The Raiders got the ball first. They're driving down the field. Uh, almost getting to the end zone. Uh, the pass gets deflected. They have to settle for a field goal. The Chargers get an opportunity. The Raiders blow a coverage, and Herbert hits the receiver for like a 53-yard reception, and it gets them right down basically to the goal line. And they get a couple cracks at trying to get into the end zone, and they run it with Herbert do a little quarterback sneak, and he actually fumbled. And he fumbles it into the end zone. And if the Raiders would have recovered it, that would have been the game. Um, but Chargers got lucky. They were able to recover miraculously. And then Justin Herbert was able to get in on the quarterback sneak on the very next play, which won it for them. But, you know, two teams that I think, if you're the Raiders, I feel like this season is a little bit of a disappointment just because of where you were earlier on this year. Like I said, 6-3. and three, I don't think you're at six and three. I feel like you're you're probably feeling good about yourself, especially after beating the Chiefs. You're probably feeling like, all right, man, we can really do something here. We can make this push, and you go one and four in your next five games. Uh, so a little bit of a disappointment for the Raiders. Um, I expected, I thought they would win this game. They did not. <laughs> um, but hey, any given Sunday is what they say. You know, football happens. Uh, Darren Waller, by the way, absolutely went insane. Nine receptions, 150 yards. He had a touchdown. Darren Waller is someone I think we maybe is not known to the public. Um, and maybe he's not someone who everyone knows. But Darren Waller might be the third best tight end in the league. Like behind Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, he might be the third best tight end in the league. Darren Waller is special. It was 
crazy seeing him just be absolutely unstoppable. Um, but I'm, I was really happy for Marcus Mariota in this game. Seeing him, I was always a fan of Mar- Mariota. I always thought he was a good quarterback. Um, I thought he didn't necessarily have the greatest pieces around him in Tennessee, and then things just kind of fell apart. Ryan Tannehill came in, started playing better. He gets the boot. Uh, but hopefully this game maybe leads to something for him in the future. We'll see. But that was Thursday night. Look, moving forward to week 15 and the other games, obviously you got to give you guys the picks for the rest of these games. We're going to go through these real quick. Um, great great time of the year for football was when, when we start getting NFL football on Saturdays. Um, I know college football probably hates it because it's just like you guys are kind of stepping in on our territory, but we got some, uh, we got some good teams that will be playing on Saturday. Saturday we get the Bills and the Broncos at four thirty, and you know, people have been uh, people all year have not given the Buffalo Bills the credit that they deserve. I'm not going to be one of them. Um, I 100% believe in the Buffalo Bills. They are my selections for this game, and I think they're going to make some noise in the uh, playoffs. Their defense is starting to play better. Their defense is starting to be opportunistic. However, this Broncos team is not a pushover. Um, I think the Broncos are faced with a little bit of a situation right now where they need to figure out what do they have in Drew Locke, and do we keep him? Do we move on? What what are we going to do there? Um, we shall see. I'm picking Buffalo to win this game, but I think Denver will keep it interesting. I don't think, I don't think the Bills are just going to walk into town and just blow the doors off the Broncos. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo in that game though. Uh, the late game on Saturday is of course the Carolina Panthers traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers and the Panthers again are one, another one of those teams where they haven't won a lot of games this year, but they've, they've played teams pretty tough at times. Um, no Christian McCaffrey again for this game. They need to just go ahead and shut him down. And I know that's pretty disappointing, uh, especially after you gave him the huge contract that you did this off season that he's basically only played in like what three or four games this year. Um, but that's the reason why you need to go ahead and shut him down. I understand you paid him all this money. You want to keep him healthy. He's been banged up this year. Go ahead, shut him down for the rest of the season. Let him focus on, you know, recouping and, and just getting healthy. Because you're going to need him for next season. This Panthers team is not far away, I think, from being competitive. Um, and you're going to need him moving forward. That being said, the Green Bay Packers, this is a game that they should win. Uh, the Packers are going to end up with the number one seed in the NFC. And the road to the Super Bowl, as far as the NFC goes, is going to uh, have to go through Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this year. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um I said it at the beginning of the year. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers go totally scorched earth because he's truly pissed off. And he probably would never admit it and never say it publicly. But I know for a fact he was absolutely pissed off that they traded up to dra- to draft Jordan Love, uh, basically trying to trade up to draft his replacement. And we're kind of giving him a little bit of a head nod that, hey, we're going to be pushing you out of the door here soon. Uh, I think that don't that didn't sit well with him, and he wanted to come out here and prove something, and that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers has done. Uh, 3,685 yards on the season, 39 touchdowns, and we still got week 15, 16. Like, he still has three games left to add on to that. He could 
very easily uh, get over 50 touchdowns this year. Gonna throw for well over 4,500 yards. Like he's Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Um, Aaron Jones, the running back, has had a really good season. Devontae Adams has made a case for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, that's a that's an award, by the way. That it's gonna be tough to pick. Like in the like everything else, I feel like is kind of cut dry, pretty easy. Like like MVP should go to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, in my opinion, should go to T.J. Watt. Um, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert. Defensive Rookie of the Year should be Chase Young. Like there's some of them that are like pretty cut and dry, pretty easy. Comeback Player of the Year will probably be Alex Smith, right? Offensive player of the year to me is the one where you there's a couple of different guys that have really good cases. I think you can look at Devontae Adams, who has, you know, 14 touchdowns on the season. You have Dalvin Cook, who's just been absolutely running over everyone. Uh, you got Travis Kelsey. There's a ton of guys like it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough picking that award. But all of that being said, I'm picking the Packers to win this game. Uh, and we'll see, man. I I originally had the Seahawks and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I wanted to see Patrick Mahomes versus Russell Wilson in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. Listen, I will be more than happy to see Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers absolutely just shoot out in the Super Bowl. And if that's what we get, it's going to be super entertaining. But Packers are a really good team right now, even though their defense is still shaky, specifically against the run. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers. Next up, Bears and Vikings. Uh, this is a really tough game to pick because when when does when does the when does the fool's gold start to show its head with Mitchell Trubisky? You know, and I spoke about this with a couple of my colleagues from Nuts and Bolts Sports when we uh, were on the show earlier this week. Uh, no huddle necessary with Jeff Barnes and everyone uh, we were, we, we were talking about this game because both of these teams obviously still are trying to push for the playoffs and the bears offense has sort of come to life these past couple weeks, right? Uh, Mitchell Trubisky ever since he's been inserted back into the starting lineup and, and Greg on no huddle necessary made a really great point that, as the starter this year, Mitchell Trubisky is six and two. <laughs> so that being said, I just don't trust Mitchell Trubisky, and this happens every year. Mitchell Trubisky has these games where he'll play really well, he'll sh- and he'll look for a second where it's like, okay, no, I, he looks like a starting quarterback. But then it's only like two or three games. It's a two or three game stretch, and he almost gets you to believe in, and then he goes back to being Mitchell, and we see who he really is, and he shows his face again. Um, that being said, it's tough because the Vikings, their strong suit is Dalvin cook in this run game, who again, 1,352 yards on the season. He has 14 touchdowns, by the way, he missed like two games this year, which is crazy to think that he's put up these type of numbers after missing a couple games. Um, but Dalvin cook has struggled against this bears defense, which I've spoken about it many times. This bears defense is elite they are a championship level defense and Dalvin Cook has struggled against this Bears defense and the last time the Bears and the Vikings played it was a really tough slug out game I think the Vikings did the Vikings ended up winning but it was like something 19 to 16 um 
all that being said, I'm taking the Vikings just because I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. Um, and I feel like he's going to revert back to the quarterback that we all know he is and has been for the majority of his career. Uh, next up, Buccaneers and Falcons. Uh, Buccaneers, but I'm not, it's not necessarily because I'm super high on Tampa Bay right now, which I was at the beginning of the year. And I, I still think Tampa Bay can be a sneaky team that will, uh, will catch some people off guard, especially if you sleep on them. Uh, I think that the Buccaneers, they're eight and five, but I think the talent and the potential of this team is much better than their record. Um, so I think the Bucks are a team, they're going to be dangerous in the playoffs if they can start figuring some things out. But this is a game against the Falcons that they should win. Uh, the Falcons will not have Julio Jones available for this game. Uh, they still, obviously, they still have some really good pieces there, like Russell Gage and whatnot. But I'm taking the, the Bucks to win this game. Uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> It's funny because originally this game was like slotted at the beginning of the season to be like the Sunday night game. And then it got flexed to a, to the one o'clock <laughs> to the one o'clock uh, time window because no one wants to watch this game. <laughs> yeah, you got the battle of the backup quarterbacks with Nick Mullins and Andy Dalton. Um, I, I don't know who to pick in this game in all honesty. This is um mm. it's a game that I haven't paid too much attention to. It didn't really give a lot of thought on until just now. This is an interesting game to pick. I I kind of wanna go with Dallas. Hmm. Cause here's the thing, right? The 49ers have sustained pretty bad injuries on both sides of the ball. However, I think with uh, Robert Sala, who is their defensive coordinator, who he's going to end up getting a head coaching job at some point in the future, that defense always plays really well. And Nick Mullins has not been terrible. I think Nick Mullins is actually one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. Um, he's thrown for over <clears throat> Sorry, he's thrown for over 2,200 yards this season, has 10 touchdown, 10 touchdown passes. Um, but I, the talent of Dallas's offense is what I feel like prevails when they go up against other teams that are bad or that are struggling this season. I'm going to take Dallas in this game. And wildly enough, if Dallas, and, and here's, here's just to point something out to you, if Dallas wins this game, and Washington, and Philly, and the Giants lose. Dallas is right there, back in the mix, for possibly winning the NFC East, and maybe we'll see the Cowboys in the playoffs. I don't think it will happen, but who knows? It, Dallas, if you can win this game, you give yourself a shot. Now, if you lose this game, your season is basically over. And that's something... And you know what? I think that's why I'm going to pick Dallas is because I feel like Dallas actually has something to play for. The 49ers, their season is over. They know it. They've chalked it up. You know, they lost like three of their best players this early in the season. They kind of knew their season was done after like week four, right? Or week six. Um, Dallas still has something to fight for, oddly enough. Like I said, you're four and nine, but 
in a, I mean, Seattle's taking on uh, Washington's taking on Seattle this week. That's a game that Washington could definitely lose. Uh, you have Philly taking on the Cardinals. That's a game the Eagles could lose. And then you have the Giants taking on the Browns. That's a game that the Giants are expected to lose. So if you're the Cowboys, you can sit back. And if you can find a way to win this game against the 49ers, you give yourself an opportunity to play meaningful football later on this year, even at, you know, even though you're currently sitting at four and nine. I'm going to take Dallas. They have something to play for, and it would just be typical NFC East that something like this happens. It's going to be drama all the way down to the very last game. Uh, It's going to come down to Week 17, so we'll see what happens, but I'm taking the Cowboys. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Nothing really to say much about this game. The Detroit Lions cannot stop the run, and Derrick Henry is one of the best rushing or is one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, 14 touchdowns on the season, 15, uh, 1,532 yards on the season. Derrick Henry might break 2,000 yards this year. Like, he's 500 yards away, I get that, or a little less than 500 yards away. But Derrick Henry, since, I think, like, what was it? Like, since, like, 2014 or something like that, or 2016, something like that, there's been, like, eight 200-yard games, 200-yard rushing games in, like, the past six years or something like that, and Derrick Henry has, like, four of them. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I actually think Derrick Henry, especially with how bad this Lions defense is, Derrick Henry is going to break 2,000 rushing yards this season. And he's going to get like 160 of them against the the Detroit Lions uh, this week. I'm taking Tennessee. Next up, we have the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are a really good team. Deshaun Watson, I feel for you, bro. Uh, I really do. The The... Free Deshaun Watson, man, and it it it's, it sucks because when you you sometimes you watch the Texans and you can see Deshaun Watson on the sideline at times, just so frustrated because you got to think like he when he played at Clemson, he didn't lose like this, right? He's not like this is something that's so foreign to him being on a team that's bad, and like not only are you losing, like you're not even really com- like the games aren't even really competitive, like he got blown out by Chicago um, a couple weeks ago and all this other stuff. It's just or last week, it's just, it's rough. It's rough. I feel for Deshaun Watson, but I think his pain continues this week because I don't see them beating this Colts team. This Colts team is really good. Uh, They're starting to get some balance offensively. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has come alive finally for this offense. Jonathan Taylor is playing, is is starting to run the ball way better. They have a really good uh, running back tandem with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. So I'm a... I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna take the Colts in this game. Next up, New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins still uh, currently are holding on to that final wild card spot in the AFC playoffs, and I think they hold on to at least for this week they hold on to it. I understand Bill Belichick is like undefeated. Yeah, Bill Belichick hasn't lost to like a rookie quarterback in like seven years or something insane like that. Bill Belichick usually dominates rookie quarterbacks. I get it. However, I just don't think his team is good enough this year to keep that going. I mean, you look at Cam Newton, and this is no disrespect to Cam Newton. I don't think he really has a ton of weapons over there in New England, and I feel like they're a little... I feel like they don't allow him to throw the ball as much as they should. I feel like they kind of just let him run it all the time, but Cam Newton only has five passing touchdowns on the season, which is crazy. Um, 
I'm taking Miami. Miami is that that offense is looking good with Tua in there. That defense is playing out of their minds. Um, I'm going to take Miami in this one. Also, New England struggles whenever they go down to Miami. This game will be played at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, I'm taking Miami. Seattle and Washington here. Uh, Washington has a really, really good defense. Um, They've come alive. Washington's defense is playing right now the way I thought that they would play this entire season. Early on in the year, one of the reasons why I looked at Washington and thought that they could be a tough team was because of how good that defense would be. Um, it struggled at times. Chase Young has missed games, but it's all starting to come together for them. And this defense is playing really well. However, all of that being said, I'm taking Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson, who early on this season was in the conversation for MVP. Um, I think those talks are done. However, he still is playing at an elite level. And Seattle just has way too many weapons. You know, there's a lot of weapons over there in Seattle. Russell Wilson, again, is one of the three best quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to take Seattle in this one, even though I think Washington will keep it close. They'll keep it respectable for, for I would say, about two and a half quarters. This game is going to be pretty tough. And then Seattle's talent and just experience and all that other stuff will start to really seep in and they'll start to pull away. But I'm taking Seattle in this. Uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars heading to MNT Bank Stadium. They This game will be played in Baltimore. Um, nothing really much to say here. This is a game Baltimore is absolutely going to steamroll them. The Ravens, obviously... Uh, they're playing for their playoff lives. They're fighting to keep their season going. They're currently just outside uh, one game or like half a game or something like that behind the Dolphins. So they're really right there on the cusp. Um, they need to keep pace. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's just face it, they're not a good team. They have some talent, uh, but they're a team that they're tanking, right? And this is a game Baltimore should win uh, very easily. And after... After Monday night's game against Cleveland, I think Baltimore's kind of getting their groove back. Now, Baltimore's defense does need to play better. Uh, granted, that defense has been a little injury. Injury bug has been going around there. They're banged up on the defensive side of the ball. But this is a game Baltimore should win, point blank period. Uh, another easy game where the Rams and the Jets, again, I've said it many times this year, the Jets are on their way to an 0-16 season. Uh, the Rams are playing really good ball, specifically on the defensive side. And Sean McVay is still a genius. You know, I think last year some people maybe jumped off the Sean McVay train. I'm not. Sean McVay is incredible as a head coach. He's one of the best head coaches in the league. He's one of the best offensive minds we have in the NFL. Uh, this is a game the Rams will win by at least 17 points. Philadelphia Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think. Last week, the Eagles got a little lucky. Uh, trap game for the Saints, and the Saints really probably didn't really know what to expect from Jalen Hurts. You know, not a lot of tape on him. There's not much they could have done. And like I said, that's a trap game. Uh, I don't think that happens with Arizona. I'm taking the Cardinals to win in this game. I think they'll look at uh, what the Saints did and what Jalen Hurts did last week. And they'll make adjustments. I also take into consideration the fact that this Philadelphia Eagles defense will not be going up against 
Taysom Hill. They'll be going up against Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake and Larry Fitzgerald and all of the other talented pieces that they have on that Arizona offense. Uh, I'm taking the Cardinals to win this one. Next up, we have the Chiefs and we have the Saints. Now, the news just came across that the Saints will be starting Drew Brees, that Drew Brees is making his return uh, and will be playing in this game. And I think that is a huge mistake. Listen, I understand, New Orleans, uh, you're desperate and you are trying your hardest <laughs> to get that number one seed back from Green Bay. Let me go ahead and let you in on a secret. It's not going to happen. So since you're not going to win that number one seed, no matter what happens, because I just don't see Green Bay losing like one or two games this year um, or for the rema- for the remainder of the season, why play Drew Brees? In a game that essentially right now does not matter. You're in the playoffs. You're kind of solidified as the number two team in the NFC. That's probably what your spot is going to be. Drew Brees' health is more important than getting a number one seed. It doesn't matter if you win this game and get the number one seed if Drew Brees is injured in it. If Drew Brees gets re-injured and now it's like, yeah, we have the number one seed, but guess what? Drew Brees can't play. Doesn't matter. It makes no sense to me uh, to put him in this game. I felt like Jameis Winston should have gotten the start. They, you know, Taysom Hill, obviously, he just doesn't give your offense enough juice at the quarterback position to win against the Chiefs. Uh, Jameis Winston does, although he may throw three interceptions as well. But Jameis Winston should have been the play here. I don't like putting Drew Brees back in. Uh, in a game, really, that means nothing. I mean, like I said, I, I don't think you're catching the Green Bay Packers at this point. Three games left. They own a tiebreaker over you, and the Green Bay Packers don't really have a tough schedule for, you know, like moving forward from here. Um, I think this is a bad move by the Saints, uh, and the Chiefs are playing really well. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, in the MVP conversation. I'm taking the Chiefs to win this game, and I'm just hoping that Drew Brees can make it and that he's makes it out of this game healthy. Uh, Cleveland Browns and the New York Giants, a Giants team right now that's playing really, uh, really hard and really tough. They're playing pretty good football right now. Um, Daniel Jones is a little banged up. I don't know if they should play Daniel Jones in this game. I think that offense looked much better with Colt McCoy in the other week. Now, granted, obviously he's coming off the bench and it's easier because the team probably isn't really preparing for you. Um, but either way, the Cleveland Browns have shown me a lot these last couple weeks. Um, absolutely beating up all on Tennessee and almost winning a game against the Baltimore Ravens. This Cleveland Browns team is legit. I've said it. I said it a couple weeks ago. The Cleveland Browns are going to go to the playoffs and they're going to win a playoff game. Um, this Browns team is, is serious. You know, this isn't the Browns that we've, we've known the past couple years, right? This is a Browns team that they run the ball really well. They're well coached. Um, Baker Mayfield is getting back to that uh, quarterback that we saw his rookie year when he came in and he had uh, confidence and they were getting him, you know, and he was doing all of these things. Kevin Stefanski has done a great job. Kevin Stefanski, I feel like should be coach of the year um, for what he was able to do and turning this team around from what they were last year to now and what he's done with Baker is phenomenal. Um, I feel like Kevin Stefanski deserves to get coach of the year this year. 
and the Cleveland Browns are going to win this game. I got the Browns winning this one. I think the Giants will keep it close because that defense is very good, um, but I'm taking the Browns. And, of course, lastly, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this is a game I feel like the Steelers get to bounce back. I uh, had two straight losses uh, to teams that you probably feel like you could have beaten, especially against Washington and then Buffalo. Obviously, Buffalo is a great team, but I think Pittsburgh probably feels in their mind that we're better. Uh, we just kind of let that game get away from us because our offense has been in a funk these past couple games. They've got to get that under wraps. I think they will. Like I said, this is a game against Cincinnati where – you know, obviously no Joe Burrow. He's done for the season. This is a Bengals team that only has two wins on the season. Um, it's a game you should win and win easily. This is a get right game, you know, for the Steelers. This game, this game against Cincinnati comes at the right time. Um, it's a game that, you know, you're, you're kind of, your offense is in a little bit of a funk right now and you're going up against a bad team. Go out there, establish yourself, get some confidence, blow this team out and right the ship because, you know, Ben spoke to the media earlier and people have been kind of freaking out and like, oh, my God. And he he kind of, you know, gave them the whole Aaron Rodgers, you know, the, the when Aaron Rodgers just told everyone to relax. Ben kind of did the same thing. He said, listen, guys, we're not worried. We got some things to fix, but it's not the playoffs, right? We got time to fix this. So just everyone take a deep breath. We'll get this under control. Um, I hope so. I have the Steelers winning this game. I have them winning it pretty easily, but. This is an important game. They need to build some confidence, and they need to get that offense going because they're going to be going up against a really, really, really good defense next week in the Colts. Um, that's going to be a big game for them as far as seeing where where this offense really is and seeing what they can do against an elite-level defense like that. But I'm taking the Steelers to win this one. Okay. Now, all of that being said... It's time to talk some NBA. And first up, the big news that came out yesterday from the NBA. There's a couple of things that we actually need to talk about with the NBA. First things first, obviously, is there were reports that the Philadelphia 76ers are now open to moving Ben Simmons in a trade. Obviously, that trade being with the Houston Rockets. Now, Daryl Morey came out publicly and immediately after these rumors came out and he said you know hey this isn't true uh we have no we have no interest in trading ben simmons ben simmons is going to be a very important piece of our future uh all that good stuff right however and this is something that i said on tuesday this would not be the first time a general manager has lied to us. This wouldn't be the first time Daryl Morey has lied to us. Because if you all remember back in Houston, he was adamant that, hey, we're not trading Chris Paul. And what did they do? Traded Chris Paul. Um, I'm very interested to see how this works out. And I, I've been saying this for quite some time. I feel like this is the move to make. I feel like Philly... You've tried, you've you've tried this whole deal out with, you know, Embiid and Simmons, and it just has not worked, right? In my opinion, like from what I've seen, it hasn't worked. These two don't mesh well. Their games don't um, complement each other, and because of that, I feel like you have to make some sort of trade, or you have to make some sort of consideration. 
and really think about the future of your team. Are you going to just keep beating a dead horse? Like we've seen, cause that's really what you're doing. Like what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You keep on trying to pass on and believing in this notion that no Embiid and Simmons can work and we can win with it. And you've had two, three years now where it hasn't, you know, I just, I, and I know they probably feel like, you know, we were, we were one game away from almost, you know, going to the Eastern conference finals, especially like, you know, when Kawhi Leonard, you know, hits the clutch shot in game seven and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, something needs to change in Philly. I think James Harden and Joel Embiid is a much better combo and is a much better um, duo and they fit better than he and Ben Simmons do. Uh, It's something that Philadelphia really needs to take into consideration, and it's something that Philadelphia needs to do, in my opinion. Uh, If I was Daryl Morey, I would make this trade like that. Like I said, Ben Simmons, Matthias Theibel, two or three first-round picks for James Harden. Let's make it happen. Because you get James Harden on a team with Joel Embiid, you let them run pick and rolls. That's going to be damn near unstoppable. And that's a team I feel like sh- would and should be at least one of the two favorites in the Eastern Conference. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see. And more news, though, with the with the Rockets and the Harden saga. Um, the Rockets have started leaking out information that they are willing and I do think that all of this information that we're getting about these trades and stuff like that is are leaking from the Houston camp because they're trying to build up uh, maybe some interest and because they're trying to maybe just get a get a get a feel for the pulse of the rest of the league and how they feel about trades. Uh, but they're the leaking of the information that you know the the Rockets are now expanding uh, their horizons as far as some of the teams that they would consider trading James Harden to. Uh, more so outside of just, you know, obviously the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers. So we'll see what happens. Um, It's a very interesting situation. James Harden definitely feels like he is out of Houston. Like he feel like mentally, I feel like he's already checked out. Um, It's very obvious. He doesn't want to be there saying apparently the quote was he's unmoved by the trades for John Wall, which if I'm John Wall, I'm taking huge offense to like what the hell does that mean? Like, what are you trying to say about me? But uh, very interesting to see how that all plays out um, as far as James Harden and where he ends up because he's definitely going to get traded this year. Um, will he be traded before the season begins is the interesting part. Um, obviously, the season starts in four days. Uh, it's the 18th. The season starts on the 22nd. So they got four days before the season starts to try and do that. I feel like that is the goal for them, that they want to trade him before the season starts. Um, But we'll see. We shall see. In other NBA news, the Clippers are actually under investigation uh, with the recruitment of Kawhi Leonard. So here's the story. And I will say the Clippers have come out and, you know, gone against these allegations and have basically said, you know, hey, the stuff that's being said right now is false. 
But here's the story. Back in 2019, obviously, Kawhi Leonard decided to come to the Los Angeles Clippers instead of staying in Toronto or going to the Lakers in free agency. There is a man by the name of Johnny Wilkes who basically claims to be close to Leonard and says that he's best friends with Kawhi's uncle, Dennis Robertson. And basically, Johnny Wilkes is making a case that during that free agency period, Johnny Wilkes got into contact with Jerry West, who is a team consultant, uh, and basically said, hey, listen, I can help you guys get Kawhi in a Clipper uniform, uh, you know, I'll help you guys be, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help pitch it to you. I'll give you guys some vital information that you'll need, you know, some of the stuff that he likes. Basically saying, I'll give you like an inside plug so that way, you know, I'll connect the dots. I'll be a dot connector. <laughs> um, and apparently it was a verbal agreement between he and Jerry West that, hey, if I do this and he signs with the Clippers, I get two and a half million dollars. According to Johnny Wilkes, Jerry West agreed to this, and now Johnny Wilkes is suing the Los Angeles Clippers for $2.5 million plus damages because he said he was never paid uh, for the agreed amount for his role in acquiring uh, Kawhi Leonard for the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, the Clippers have come out and said that Johnny Wilkes is absolutely lying, <laughs> that the allegations are baseless, that he and Jerry West had never had any sort of agreement, never even really spoke. Um, but the NBA is investigating this. It's very interesting. Um, Kawhi Leonard himself has come out and said, like, you know, that wasn't, you know, Wilkes played no role in my decision to sign with the Clippers. Uh, and he's basically just saying that this is just something that, you know, someone's just trying to get some money off of my situation and because of who I am and whatnot. But we'll see what comes out of this. Um, I, I don't I do think this will blow over. I don't think there's any real any real scenarios um with this. I don't feel like um any situations where like the Clippers may face uh some sort of backlash or reprimand from the league. I just don't see it happening. Um but nonetheless it's something that the Clippers are dealing with right now and we'll see how it all plays out. But now, earlier, I spoke about college football, and obviously this week is a huge, this weekend is a huge weekend. Um, this is the last weekend before the committee uh, puts together the final judgment. You know, we're two days away, basically. We're two days away from the selection committee deciding who will be in the college football playoffs, which means... There's a lot of games that we need to pay attention to because there's a couple different scenarios where things could shake up, and we're going to look at those scenarios. We're going to look at some of these teams, uh, some of the games that are going to be played, and just look at you know how some losses and some wins will affect the playoffs. So, obviously, and first things first, I want to give a quick shout out. To Coastal Carolina, they had their Sunbelt Championship game canceled. I know that really sucks for them. They've been a very a very fun team uh, to watch this year. I know that they're pretty down about that. Uh, so quick shout-out to you guys. 
you know, thoughts and <laughs> I know that that really sucks for them because that team that team was just super electric. They were really fun. Um, a nice Cinderella story. They weren't going to make like college football playoffs or anything, but it, it, it does suck that their championship game has been canceled. But we'll see uh, what the, if maybe they get a bowl game or something like that that they can compete in. But let's get into these playoff scenarios. Now, obviously, you have scenario A, which is all of the teams that are favorites, all of the favorites win. So that's, you know, Bama, that would mean Alabama wins, Clemson wins, Ohio State Texas A&M, Oklahoma, uh, USC, Cincinnati, all those teams win in these in this championship Saturday that's coming up, right? In that situation, then basically you have what has been the expected four teams in the playoffs all season. That would be, you know, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame would still make it in. So that way, you know, like I said, all the favorites win. You'll probably more than likely get Alabama, Clemson, uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Now, let's tweak that a little bit. And let's say, what happens if Clemson still beats Notre Dame? But what if Clemson absolutely destroys Notre Dame? Like, what if Clemson goes in there and I mean, lays the smack down on Notre Dame, like blows them out by like 30, right? That's now we're starting to get now things are starting to get interesting, right? Because if you're the committee, what do you do between Notre Dame and Texas A&M? Because in that situation, you have Notre Dame, who has played two more games than Texas A&M. However, you can make the argument that Texas A&M has had a more difficult schedule than Notre Dame. And so you're sitting back, and what would the committee do? With having a one-loss Notre Dame team, in this situation, they'd be 10-1. and but then how does that make their first Clemson win look? Because then it's like, okay, when Trevor Lawrence wasn't there, you barely beat them in overtime. When Trevor Lawrence is here, you all got blown out by 30. Now, in the same retrospect, you can look at Texas A&M and say, you all played a, played against Alabama, and Alabama absolutely spanked you all. Texas A&M played Alabama earlier in the year, and they lost by 28. It's an interesting concept there, right? Who would the committee select? So that's a situation, that's a scenario for, the, for Texas A&M, right? Texas A&M has a couple of different routes to possibly get into the college football playoffs. One of them is if Clemson absolutely blows Notre Dame out the water. We'll see what happens there. Now, on the flip side of this, what happens if Notre Dame beats Clemson? Well, in that case, Clemson is out. There's no... Even if people believe Clemson is the best team in the league or in the nation, <laughs> there's no real way to put a two-loss Clemson team in, especially after they've lost twice to the same team. If you lose two times to Notre Dame, you're a two-loss team with no conference championship to hold your hat on. It's tough to keep Clemson in, especially when you have Texas A&M sitting right there with one loss, and their only loss came against Alabama, who was, who's been ranked the number one team in the nation all season, basically. So in that situation, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, Clemson is out, and in that situation, we more than likely would get Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, 
Texas A&M. Okay. So you see how things are, are, are filling out, right? There's a lot of things that we need to get to. There's a lot of scenarios, but you see how some things are shaking up. So Texas A&M has a couple different routes that they can go, right? If you're Texas A&M, you're either wishing for a Notre Dame for a Notre Dame win, or your apps, or you're wishing for Clemson to just blow Notre Dame out. So you either need Notre Dame to win, or you need them to get blown out. One of the two. But Texas A&M probably Texas A&M is the one team that's currently outside of the top four that has the best chance of making it to the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Let's look at another scenario. Let's say Alabama loses. Alabama plays Florida for the SEC Conference Championship. Let's say Alabama loses, and let's say Notre Dame beats Clemson. Now, things get interesting. Because if you're Bama, you only have one loss on the season, and it's it's to a Florida team who... The committee has kind of shown that they're not really putting a whole lot of stock into that loss to LSU. You know, everyone thought that Florida, who was ranked sixth before they lost to LSU, was going to fall drastically in the rankings, and then they only dropped down one spot. So the committee really hasn't punished Florida for that loss the way that we expected them to. But let's say Florida beats Alabama and Notre Dame beats Clemson. Well, in that situation, Notre Dame obviously makes it in. If Clemson loses... It's hard again. Clemson. If Clemson loses to Notre Dame, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's a real scenario for them to make it in. If Clemson loses, it's really hard to put them into the college football playoffs, having two losses to the same team and no conference championship to hold their, you know, like you know, to to have to their name. Um, but if Bama loses and Notre Dame wins, what you will probably see. Notre Dame obviously makes it in. Ohio State makes it in. Alabama will still make it in because that would be their only loss in the season. And you lost to a top ranked, you know, a top 10 ranked opponent in an SEC uh, championship game. Bama would probably still make it in. However, with that situation, it then becomes which one lost team or which one lost team do you put in, Texas A&M or Florida? And it would be very hard to keep Florida out because. Texas A&M would be like, hey, they lost to LSU. You know, they lost to an unranked LSU team. But then the flip side of that would be, yes, but you all got blown out by Alabama and Florida beat Alabama. So in that situation, Florida probably makes it in. Florida, even with that loss to LSU, has an outside chance to make it into the college football playoffs. Now, in a situation where maybe, let's say, even if Florida beats Alabama, they still would need Notre Dame to beat Clemson. Because if Clemson wins that game, I don't think it matters. Because like I said, Bama is not going to fall out unless unless Alabama just gets, I mean, like just mollywopped <laughs> in this SEC Conference Championship game. Alabama isn't falling, uh, isn't falling out of the college football playoffs. They're going to be there. Um, Florida has an outside chance. They need to beat them, but they also would need Notre Dame to beat Clemson because if Clemson beats Notre Dame, Notre Dame will still be in, Clemson will be in, and we would basically still see the exact same teams um, that are expected right now, which obviously would be Notre Dame, Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson. 
Um, but Florida has an outside chance. They need some things to shake up. They got to beat Alabama, which is a tall task to ask. Um, that's a tough, really tough thing to do. Um, and then obviously they would need Notre Dame to beat Clemson, but we'll see what happens there. Um, another possible shakeup would be if we see Ohio State lose to Northwestern. Now, <laughs> I don't see this happening at all. I don't see Ohio State losing to Northwestern, but let's play devil's advocate here. Uh, this is the last scenario we're going to look at before we get out of here. Let's say Northwestern beats Ohio State. In that situation, Ohio State is in a situation where they have to win this game. You know, like, Ohio State by no means is comfortable. Like, Ohio State is probably, you know, Ohio State and Clemson, I believe, are really the only two teams right now that are currently inside that would be, if the season ended today, like, is, that are in the top four. Ohio State and Clemson are really the only two teams that I feel like have a shot of, uh, really missing out of the playoffs like Notre Dame there's like I said if they get absolutely blown out by Clemson then maybe Texas A&M goes in ahead of them maybe but even still even with the one loss to uh Clemson it's likely that Notre Dame would still get into the to the uh college football playoffs Ohio State and Clemson are the only two teams really currently in the top four that are dealing with the reality of if we lose, we're not going to be in the college football playoffs. Like I said, Clemson loses. It's going to be very hard to put a two-loss Clemson team in with no uh, conference championship. And also the fact that they lost to the same team twice. If Ohio State loses, Ohio State, who hasn't played that great of a schedule outside of the Indiana game, uh, where Indiana was ranked uh, top 10 at the time, Outside of that, they haven't played a super tough schedule, and Ohio State has only played six games this year. It's going to be really tough. Like if they lose, especially losing to Northwestern, it's going to be very hard to put a six and one team in the college football playoffs. So if that were to happen, you have a situation where, let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame, right? If Clemson beats Notre Dame in that situation, you have Ohio State out because of the loss to Northwestern. So let's say, <clears throat> excuse me. So let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame, Ohio State loses to Northwestern, Alabama beats uh, Florida. That situation leaves you with Alabama making it in more than likely, Clemson would make it in, Notre Dame makes it in, and Texas A&M would probably take that spot from <clears throat> excuse me, would probably take that spot from uh, Ohio State. Now, I said that was the last scenario. Let's look at one more scenario, just because these are really fun, right? So let's say Northwestern beats Ohio State, but then let's say Notre Dame beats Clemson, which means now Ohio State and Clemson are going to be out. So obviously in that situation, you would have Texas A&M getting in at that third spot, right? So let's say you'd have Bama, You'd have Texas A&M, you'd have Notre Dame, and then who would be that fourth spot, right? Because now you have no Ohio State or no Clemson to put in. So now you're looking around and you look at maybe a USC, right? However, maybe we're a little too high on USC, who knows? Um, maybe 
even though it's it's an outside shot. <laughs> maybe you give it to the Bearcats. You know, maybe Cincinnati has a shot. Like, there's absolute pandemonium, right? Like, th that's the situation. That's the one where it's that's it's like, okay, this could get chaotic pretty fast. If Northwestern beats Ohio State and Notre Dame beats Clemson, because now you have two teams to replace in the, in the college football playoffs. But a lot of stuff going on. All of this being said, I don't think we're going to see too much change up. <laughs> it's just fun looking at all of the possibilities. Um, I do believe, though, we're going to get Alabama, we're going to get Clemson, we're going to get Notre Dame, and we're going to get Ohio State. That, to me, is just... I don't see... The only, like I said, the only other scenario that I really see is if Clemson just absolutely stomps Notre Dame um, and either Notre Dame or if, if Clemson stomps Notre Dame or if Notre Dame beats Clemson, then Texas A&M makes it. That to me is the only real team. Texas A&M is the only team that I feel like really has a, a chance from the outside of getting into the college football playoffs, depending on what happens with that Notre Dame and Clemson game. But We'll see. All I know is I'm super excited. Can't wait for it. Um, we need this college football <laughs> college football playoffs. Please expand. Like, committee, everyone that's working on it, please expand the college football playoffs. It's so much fun, and it needs to be expanded to eight teams because it leaves out so many great situations and all this other stuff. Um, but, hey, that could just be me. But... That's all we have for you all today. Thank you all so much for joining in. Um, this has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend to tell a friend, all that good stuff, like it, share it. And if you didn't like this episode, just act like it didn't happen. Um, want to thank you guys all so much for the support. And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So, guys, go out there. Guys and girls, <laughs> go out there. Make some new haters. I will not. No? Well, hold on. Hmm. I will see you all Tuesday. I will say I'm going to give you all this. <laughs> I'll do this this time because I messed it up during Thanksgiving. I will do an episode Tuesday. However, there will not be an episode Friday. Friday being Christmas, obviously, and I will not be recording Friday. But I will see you all Tuesday, and then after that, there will be no Instant Replay Friday, and then I will jump back the following Tuesday. So, I will see you guys Tuesday.